Let it not be my words, but your words that come forth in Jesus name. Amen. So good morning, everybody. Um, thank you, Brandon. He said he's going to be able to record the broadcast today. So we're hoping that that will allow the the website to get some more traffic and uh, get the word out there for each of us who are covering different mentoring topics and uh, reach the audience that God would have us to reach. So, and again, everybody's welcome, whether or not you are a Christian, whether or not you believe that there is a God, we're glad that you're here. So normally the Lord will tell me several days ahead of time what the topic is. And this was not so this week, but um, he did tell me in time and uh, he always tells us in time and provides in time for us. And uh, so we're going to talk about wisdom today because I think that that is such a deep and rich topic. And it is something that people get very confused about, I think. Uh, a lot of times people think that wisdom and knowledge are the same thing. Uh, I disagree with that. I believe having knowledge is really important, but wisdom is also about the application, right? It's, it's deeper than just having some sort of head knowledge because we can go to school. We can go through all of the books and, and see what man has said and we get that head knowledge. But if we don't know how to practically walk it out and if we don't have deeper understanding and then um, it's not going to it's not going to profit us that much or those around us. Okay, wonderful. So browser is working properly this week on Firefox. Hey, that is excellent. Glad to hear that. Good because that's been one of our struggles. So thank you for that feedback. And we are also on a better connection on my end, I think. We were working under a temporary line, and we now have the underground line and the Ethernet cable. So we're just, we're believing that God is getting all of this together for us. So um, I wanted to, of course, always read some scriptures. And uh, wisdom is discussed in so many places. If you just do a search, um, you know, in the back of your Bible by topic and you look up wisdom, I mean, you're going to see like a chunk of scriptures there. And everywhere from Deuteronomy to Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, in the Gospels, uh, in the letters that Paul wrote to different churches, all the way up through Revelation. So clearly this is something from Old Testament in through New Testament that we want to um, we want to be aware of its importance because God did not shy away from talking about it. And in fact, I think we will come to find that he really is wisdom, just like he is love. As we as we go through and as we talk today and then as you as you pray uh, and do some studies on your own. So one of the things I wanted to uh, read to you <clears throat> was um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is a very important one. Um, and I wanted to actually go into some depth with reading an entire chapter um, or most of a chapter. So if we go over to Job chapter 28, and I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. 
Let's see, where do I want to start? There's so much meat in here. I think I am just going to start at verse one. We've got time, so let's go into it here. So it says, surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold where they refine it. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the stone ore. Man sets an end to darkness and he searches out the farthest bounds for the ore buried in gloom and deep darkness. Men break open shafts away from where people sojourn in places forgotten by human foot and descend into them, hanging afar from men. They swing or flit to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath its surface, down deep in the mine, there is blasting, turning it up as by fire. Its stones are the bed of sapphires. It holds dust of gold, which he wins. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts and their young have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. Man puts forth his hand upon the flinty rock. He overturns the mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels and passages among the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. Man binds the streams so that they do not trickle into the mine, and the thing that is hidden he brings forth to light. But where shall wisdom be found? This is verse 12 that we're up to right now. So Job 28, going into verse 12. And where is the place of understanding? Man knows not the price of it. Neither is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, wisdom is not in me. And the sea says, it's not within me. It cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighted for the price of it. It cannot be valued in terms of the gold of Ophir <clears throat> and the precious onyx or beryl or the sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal wisdom, nor can it be exchanged for jewels or vessels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal, for the possession of wisdom is even above rubies or pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot be compared with it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Verse 20, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, and knowledge of it is withheld from the birds of the heavens. Abaddon, the place of destruction and death, say, we have only heard the report of it with our ears. God understands the way to wisdom, and he knows the place of it. Wisdom is with God alone. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind weight or pressure and allotted the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He established it. Yes, and searched it out for his own use, and he alone possesses it. But to man, he said, behold, the reverential and worshipful fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So I think that that is just a really great context for what we're talking about today. So why do we oftentimes not discuss wisdom in the church? Why is it overlooked? 
or maybe at your church you do discuss it a lot, but I don't think I've heard even maybe a handful of sermons on wisdom. And I wish I had, because if we understood the importance of it, I think that we would make different choices. I think we lean on our own understanding. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we are warned to not do that. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. And there's another verse that talks about, you know, man plans his own ways, but God directs his steps. So when we think that we can be self-reliant, that we can do things um, out of our own human wisdom and be successful, I believe that that is really an example of foolishness, um, maybe a definition of foolishness even. Um, and the Bible talks a lot about not being a fool and not walking in a foolish way. It talks about, you know, if you, if you don't... Um, you know, the fool um, will open his mouth in inappropriate times, inappropriate ways. Um, he doesn't want correction or discipline. Um, and so with wisdom, we're going to be open to God's intervention. We're going to be open to his correction in our lives. We're not going to kind of be that stiff-necked, thick-headed person that it can be so easy to be. Um, we can only see through a certain level of dimension. You know, in the Bible, it talks about we see through a glass darkly. And that is so true. We can only see what God allows us to see. And the more that we get alone with him and spend time in his presence, the more he will reveal to us. And that will be a way to cultivate the wisdom. So um, that is a huge challenge. And I think we might have touched on this last week where, you know, <clears throat> distraction is such a huge tool of the enemy. If he can keep us running, you know, here and there and, you know, we got the soccer game and we've got dinner plans and we've got this obligation and that obligation. And sometimes it's really wonderful things, you know, OK, we're going to go do something wonderful with the church or um, we're going to go feed the, the folks that are down at the homeless shelter. You know, it can be very noble activities, but still, you know, your tank is going to be empty if you don't spend time with the Lord. And you're doing all of these activities and all these things and you can receive accolades from people. But is that what's important? Wisdom would say no. Wisdom would say it's important to be one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what wisdom would say. Um, wisdom, it, it calls out to us. And it's, as we read, I mean, it's it's ancient. It's been around, you know, before the creation of the world, um, wisdom has existed. It is part of what holds our universe together, I believe, quite literally, because when you look at the forces of good and evil, I mean, in fact, in this chapter, one of the things that stood out to me, but I wanted to finish reading the whole chapter, but if you look, Job 28, 22, and it says, Abaddon, the place of destruction and death, say, we have only heard the report of it, wisdom, with our ears. Look at that. Those are capitalized, Abaddon and death. 
These are actual spirits. So <clears throat> we know of Lucifer. He was an angel. He decided he's going to rebel. I know better than God. I'm going to take over everything. Okay, that's his plan. A third of the angels decided to go with him. <clears throat> Topic for another discussion, but just in brief here. If you look at Genesis 6 and you look at some of the apocryphal books um, on Mount Hermon, these, I like to call them critters when they're, you know, these evil angels that, that have gone to, to the site of destruction to Abaddon, right? Um, following him, they all met at Mount Hermon. They made a pact. We're going to go in. We're going to defile the women. Uh, that's how you get the Nephilim, the giants that are part angel, part human. But again, that's a much, much deeper topic, hours and hours um, that who knows, maybe we'll get into one day. But I think a lot of times we can just kind of, you know, gloss over in the scriptures and we don't realize, you know, we think of Satan and we think of demons and we don't want to give too much attention to them as far as to where they become preeminent and most powerful in our minds and to where we are tormented because God has overcome everything. He's overcome the evil one. He's overcome the world. However, we do want to realize that, you know, the scripture that talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's so true. That's critical to realize that. So, if God wants us to have wisdom, obviously, it's it's a reasonable conclusion and deduction to say that the enemy does not want us to have wisdom. Anything that God is for, Satan is against. And why did it talk about Jesus going and getting keys to death, hell, and the grave? I mean, these are real entities. They're real um, place. There's a real place, a real lake of fire where these... Um, spirits are going to be cast. So uh, it's it's really um, it's really important important to get that one-on-one -on -one time with God, to get into the scriptures and ask him to reveal things to you. And you know, I think I mentioned perhaps last week about um, the word that the Lord had sent, one of the many words that the Lord had sent through Lana Vazer, where she was talking about going back and looking at scriptures that are familiar to us that we've looked at time and time and time again. And I want to actually, oops, sorry about that, guys. That was probably loud in your ears. I wanted to go back to Genesis because I want to just give an example of how we think we know things. And then God will show us that we sometimes have taught in error or we've thought something in error. And I mentioned something last week that I wanted to correct if I can <clears throat> locate it here. And it was back in Genesis. We talked about, I had made this statement, and this is always what I had thought I had read in Genesis, and it's what I had been taught. And I had said that mankind is the only creation that God had formed. However, let me see if I can locate it because I really, 
Here we go. Genesis 2, verse 19. Because remember, God spoke a lot of these things into existence, right? Different creations. So we said, okay, but God made us unique, right? Because he formed us with his hands and he breathed the breath of life, his spirit into Adam, which we are unique. We are the only ones created in his image. However, check this verse out. It says, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every wild beast and living creature of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was its name. And Adam gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and every wild beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper meat, suitable, adapted, complementary for him. So that's when he puts Adam to sleep, creates Eve, and so on. But the point being, <clears throat> if we spend time with the Lord, he'll reveal things. Clearly, he says here that he formed the animals. So maybe he spoke the dust, the ground, into existence. But then he took time and he formed these animals. And so I just thought that was so cool. So please don't misunderstand. Yes, we are unique. We are set apart. We are created in his image. We have souls that will live forever. So we are um, set apart from other creation. And that's why, you know, Satan does hate us. But again, as we go back over the scriptures, as we spend that time in prayer and um, fasting and reading the word, God will give us wisdom. All right. So audio is going good, constant. Video is freezing or going to half speed. Oh, goodness. Sorry about that. I don't know what we can do about that. Um, we have upgraded on my end the um, the streaming. And like I said, we are on an underground cable instead of the temporary. Uh, we were having some issues with the local, local cable company. And uh, we are on Ethernet. So I am sorry about that. But I am glad that the audio is recording. We are talking about maybe doing some podcasting where just the audio even would be released for this. So thank you. That's good real-time feedback. So um, I think that we it's important to look back at where we've gotten derailed in our lives. I submit to you that if you, if you look back, I know it's true for me. If I look back at where I got off track in my life, where I started making poor decisions and so forth. I wasn't trusting in the Lord. I was leaning on my own foolishness that I thought was, you know, enough wisdom. Um, I was wise in my own eyes, right? And the Lord talks about don't be wise in your own eyes. So he tells us all these things for a reason. And it's not to spoil our fun. It's not to ruin um our plans in the sense of him just, you know, wanting to like take joy or, or happiness away from us. What he wants is, you know, he, he sees the end from the beginning and he doesn't want us to fall into these pits and he doesn't want us to have the pain and the heartache that comes with using our own wisdom. You know, we can see a little bit ahead sometimes Sometimes it looks like, okay, I can see the next step or two in my path. You know, maybe we make some kind of career plans 
And maybe that requires some degree. So clearly I see I need to go to college. So I need to apply, need to get the finances together. You know, we can see some logical progressions and God gives us a mind that we are supposed to use. But we always have to be ready that if God says, you know what, I'm not calling you to go to that university or I'm not calling you to marry that person or, you know, I'm calling you to do this other um, this other profession with your life or I'm calling you into this new geographic territory or whatever it is. Wisdom would say that you hit pause on your own plans and you listen to what he's telling you. <clears throat> He will never leave you. The scripture is clear about that. He will never forsake you. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, <clears throat> he says that the plans he has for you are good. They're for a hope, for an expected end, a positive future. There's different translations, uh, of course, for every, every scripture. But um, that, to me, is such a hopeful uh, verse. It's one of my favorites. I have it on, you know, plaques and, and different things um, because when I was walking through such, you know, darkness in my life, that scripture, you know, I remember my aunt, I think it was for Christmas one year, one of my aunts had given me a Jeremiah 29, 11 plaque and it just was such a blessing and I would put it, you know, on my mantle or on my wall or, you know, somewhere in my home to, to display and, and I moved a good bit. So, you know, different, it was in different places and in different homes. Um, but that was always something I could go back to and say, you know what? He really doesn't plan evil for me. He really wants good things for me. And his definition of good is so much above what we can imagine. And again, that's scripture, right? His ways are above ours. His thoughts are above ours. Uh, you know, he's not limited to time. He's not limited to um, the the different scientific properties and, and laws and things that we have on earth. He's outside of all that. And yes, he created everything. And, and that's a kindness to us because as people, we tend to need seasons and routines and things that will uh, help us just in our day-to-day -day life and uh, and getting through and knowing have we checked a box have we accomplished something uh, you know I mean he he knows how we're wired he wired us and so that's a very very kind that he gave that to us but he is not bound by that he can hold time he can have his prophets declare, hey, it's not going to rain and it won't rain. We see that in the Old Testament. Um, you know, he can he can do anything he wants. Uh, that's why he's God. And I think for a lot of people that is not comforting. Like I say, even though I grew up in the church and I was always told God was love, I for whatever reason, probably demonic attack. You know, I think demons will come in and encroach and try to attach themselves to people's lives. Not saying that we're possessed. There are people that are, but I think there's a, an oppression that comes. <clears throat> and so 
that's probably what it was. But I always thought that, you know, God was ready, you know, with a sledgehammer to just boop, right on my head. And so because I believed the lies and I didn't seek out God's wisdom and allow that to really be seeded and germinate in my innermost being, in my spirit and in my soul, uh, I allowed myself to say, well, you know, maybe God is just ready to pounce on me. So what does it matter? Thank you, Brandon. Praise God, because like I say, normally I have stuff ahead of time and it was just trust me, trust me. So I said, God, you speak whatever you want to speak. So here we go. <laughs> so um, so for those of you, if we do turn this into a podcast that, that can't see this, I uh, got some feedback, great content today. So so glory to God. Um, <clears throat> so when you when you honestly believe that God is not for you that he's really not on your side, that he's really not benevolent when you see only the judgment side of God, because there is that that's very clear in the scripture. And God says, you know, don't basically don't fool yourselves. You know, I'm not going to be mocked. If you sow something, you're going to reap it. Now you could sow good things and reap that, or you can sow to the wind the, you know, and reap the whirlwind of evil things. Um, so when we when we have the evil spirits kind of encamping around us and we start listening to what they're saying, we will start acting that way because we'll believe it and we'll think that those are our thoughts. And that's one of the things that I just I'm so grateful for the different ministers that God has um, has brought to my attention that I listen to because the battle of our mind is so huge. And for a long time, I didn't know how to get any sort of control of my mind. And so, you know, most of us, if we're being honest, we have all kinds of bizarre thoughts that go through our heads. Um, things that are troubling, things that bring fear. Um, we might kind of play out our, our anger fantasies toward people. Um, you know, it can be a, a a playground for lust. I mean, all kinds of things. Let's be honest here. You know, the mind can just go all over the place. And I was just feeling discouraged. Like, how do I get a handle on this? Because I can choose outwardly, physically to do right. But I, you know, I thought, well, gosh, I'm just really messed up, it, you know, and, and that's part of the lie of the enemy, right? You're the one that is <clears throat> evil, you're the one filled with hatred or you're the one filled with lust or you're the one filled with, you know, murderous heart or you're the one filled with, you know, desire to embezzle from your company or or whatever it is. You know, you're you're just a cruel person. You know, you, you of course, you're going to say mean things because you're a terrible person, but you you believe those lies and you think that, gosh, this is me. I'm just so wretched even as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you don't realize that spiritual warfare that's going on, right? You're in your own wisdom, you're in your own understanding, and you're going, okay, well, it's hopeless. Well, no, it's not. These demons whisper in our ears. And I did mention this in brief uh, last week, started to say yesterday, <laughs> last week, I talked a little bit about the movie Wonder Woman that came out in 2017. 
And I said, you know, I don't advocate watching it per se, um, because I do think, honestly, I think there was some demonic influence in making the movie. However, if you do, if you have seen it, when you watch the good and the evil play out, it's fascinating. I was, I had heard some different things from some ministers, some who were in the office of prophet and, and what I was seeing in there, it was playing out. It was, oh my gosh, this is what, you know, this person has said and so on and so forth. And when, you know, Wonder Woman was having to fight these, um, you know, evil Nazi type enemies, they were developing all kinds of horrible scientific, um, I don't know if you want to call them potions, but anyway, they, they were just doing evil for the world, you know, and they were very maniacal and it was crazy to watch. But the way they portrayed it in the movie was that there was this spirit that would walk by the person's ear and just whisper something in it. And then the person would, aha, epiphany, this is what I need to do. And they would act on it. And if you also, again, so the Apocrypha, I don't know how many people, oh, thank you, thank you. I've never tried to say your name before, and I hope I don't butcher it, but Wakar, um, you're always here and give give uh, encouragement. So thank you, and God bless you. Um, <clears throat> the Apocrypha, it was included, and I think it is still included in a lot of the Catholic uh, world's Bibles. Um they have books like the Maccabees and uh, Book of Noah, I think, might be in there. There's Book of Enoch. There, there's just all different ones. There's Jubilees. Um, so anyway, I've been reading in, in one of the apocryphal books. And uh, the Book of Enoch, he, he really goes into kind of more of the Genesis 6 piece as well as many other things. And so, again, that's, you know, there we have Mount Hermon and you have these the third of the angels, you know, descended with Satan, but he focuses on certain, you know, of these angels. He, he names them and he says they made a pact together to go into to the women of the world and, uh, you know, choose whoever they wanted, basically have sex with them. I don't know if they became their wives or whatever. Anyway, uh, procreate these these Nephilim. But as you go on and you read, it is so fascinating. And I, I may bring some of it in and read some of it at, at one point. Um, obviously, the, the foundation of everything is the scripture. The only, the only thing I will, I guess, say about the Apocrypha is that if, if it brings levels of understanding that is not contrary to scripture, that's where I'm coming from because I'm asking to understand more because sometimes when I'm reading, I, I feel like I'm missing certain links to the relationships or, or, or different facets of things. And so I've just asked the Lord, you know, so you, you ask the Lord, you know, it's not, it's not the same as scripture, but realize that these people lived in history, just like there was Josephus and he wrote about history. Enoch lived a long time. He saw a lot of things. And so if, if you take it as historical material, right? Not saying it's the word of God, but it's some historical supplemental material. So anyway, it enumerates all of the evil things that these different angels showed mankind. And it names the angel. It says, you know, like this one showed mankind how to do this. And this one showed, and, and so everything from, you know, what to do with different herbs to, it, it actually 
and this is a, a hot topic today, and it has been for a long time, topic of abortion. And it actually says in there, uh, and these names are so far out, I can't begin to remember them, but, but such and such angel, um, he showed about how to murder the unborn or kill the unborn. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, um, this struggle is real. These these entities now we don't see them as much as maybe in Bible days. You know, I've heard the argument that if you look in the New Testament where Peter was in prison and the uh, you know, they had been praying that, you know, his his group of uh, other believers, you know, were huddled in a house praying, you know, release Peter from prison, release Peter from prison, Lord. <clears throat> and then there's that knock at the door. The servant girl goes out. She's like, ah, she runs back in. She says, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And they say, no, 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 it's Peter's angel. It's Peter's angel. So I've heard some say, you know, that that's part of the argument that in those times of the earth that it was more common for people to actually see angels. So probably to see, you know, fallen angels as well. Now we don't see them as much, but again, they whisper in our ear, they put thoughts in our head. And what I've learned to do is, you know, they love to hit you, especially when you're trying to be quiet with the Lord, you're trying to pray. That's when, you know, they just start dumping a bunch of stuff. And I've learned to just say, that's not my thought. Jesus, you know, and, and I'll just, I'll refocus to say, Jesus, I rebuke that. That's not my thought. I give you my mind and I just keep moving forward. And that has been truly a, a salvation for my mind, you know, and he does renew our minds, right? As we get into the word, he talks about that in the Bible. So it's so important to understand that we're in a battle. This is a war. It is not about what we see in this physical realm. It's just not. We, if you think of, you know, um, like being pawns in, in a game, that's, that's what Satan is trying to make us be. So if we go to his side, if we listen to him, basically all he's doing is trying to, you know, to use just a, a kind of a silly expression, but get God's goat. You know, he, he wants to just upset him. He wants to rule and reign. He still has not come around to the idea. He still has not accepted the idea that he is going to be in the lake of fire for eternity. And he has fooled so many people. So many people who think that they're wise, you know, there's the, the group called Luciferians and different a little bit than Satanists from what I've been learning. The Luciferians actually seem to believe a story that Lucifer and his camp have told them, which is basically that the, the God of the Bible is the evil one that Lucifer, you know, he got short shrift. Poor little Lucifer, you know, he was so wonderful. And so we need to work with Lucifer to help him regain his rightful kingdom. And I just, when I, when I heard that, I thought, oh my heavens, I had more compassion for these people because it's not just that they, you know, are, are bent on evil for the sake of evil. They actually are so deluded, you know, where they are calling evil good. 
and good evil. They have bought the lie and they are getting their marching orders from a very evil commander in chief, you know? So, um, I just, I guess this just needed to be brought out today because, um, as we read the different things in scripture, we want God to bring his wisdom and his enlightenment. And we want to realize when some of these words are capitalized, these, these are representative of various entities. And I think the more that we learn, um, again, you know, pray about it. See if you should look into more of these historical books to, to kind of supplement your understanding and timelines and genealogies and, and different things that, you know, we might gloss over. I, you know, I used to really not like the, we used to call them the begets, you know, so-and-so begets so-and-so. And it was the genealogy piece. And my eyes used to just kind of glaze over like, oh, the begets, let's skip that. But there's, there's a reason. There's a reason for everything in the scripture. And just like I used to read, you know, at Mount Hermon, such and such and such and such. I didn't understand it. I didn't know that at Mount Hermon, that's where these critters descended and made their pact. <clears throat> and then as you go on and you look at where the different, you know, battles and strongholds are and, you know, what will be fought for, you understand that, I mean, God Almighty has to take a stand and say, no, this is what I created. This is um, this is my design. And so he's right there at ground zero where, where Satan has tried to infiltrate and take things over. And he's like he says, you know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against him. He's not going to allow Satan to have the final word. And yet think of how merciful that God is, number one, he could have totally annihilated Lucifer and the other angels. He Before Lucifer convinced the other angels to lean on their wisdom, right, and come down here and wreak all kinds of havoc, he could have just absolutely zapped him, spoken something, whatever he wanted to do to take Lucifer out of the picture. And then he could have turned to the other angels and said, Hey, you guys want to continue with that plan? Or he could have wiped them all out. <clears throat> he could have taken uh, the stance to not give us free will. He could have said, you will serve me. You will bow down to me. You will do all these things forever. Yes, in the end, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he could have made us to where we're just basically these little robots following along. And he didn't because he wants to be loved and accepted and served out of us choosing him, right? If you're married, you don't want somebody that you've programmed to say, you know, you will love me. You want someone to fall in love with you, to, to um, stay in love with you, to walk the road together willingly with you, right? So... God wants that. He wants us to choose to be his bride, to choose to pursue him. And the more that we do that, we will look more and more like him and less and less like this world, which is key to our survival. And so without wisdom, we will perish. 
without wisdom, we won't have vision. And it says in the word that without vision, the people perish. So God's intervention in our lives, God kind of peeling back the layers of, of the onion, if you will, him showing us in the scriptures, deep things, deeper, deeper, deeper things as we grow with him. That is what is going to give us life. That's what's going to give us the wisdom to navigate these times that we live in. Anything that is not inspired by him, anything that is not in alignment with his word, throw it out, throw it out because it will lead you astray. It seems good. It sounds good at the time, but it will, it will lead to destruction. The word's very clear about that. And I think the more that we realize that Jesus is the word and the more that we ask that God give us hunger for the word, give us uh, a love for him, a desire for him, he will honor that. We will become more interested in reading his word and unpacking what does it mean. Um, I am very interested in peeling back the layers of what do we read in the English translation versus what did the original languages that the Bible was written in, what are the original meanings of the words? Because in some cases we are not getting the full depth and breadth of the historical context, the nuance, the, the deeper meaning of things. And I think that's where it can be easy to want to just do our own thing because we really don't understand the heart of God. We don't understand the history. We don't understand the significance of where he's warning us, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And, and as I've been um, going back more into the old Testament again, and there's just so much reference to, you know, not having other gods, little G, right. Don't set up idols for yourself. And, so forth. And again, he wants us to overcome. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to not only have peace and good things happening here, he wants us with him for all of eternity. And I was, I was reading, um, I think it was in the book of Jasher, which is again, an apocryphal book. Um, but I, I just loved the way that it gave this account um, about Abram. This was before his name was changed by God to Abraham. And uh, it's something that I got from the Apocrypha that um, I didn't understand in reading the word. Um, so it helped me with timelines and so forth. So Noah was still alive. And Abram, of course his father um, was, was alive and so forth, but he had um, protected Abram because it says that there was some prophecy given and so forth. And so basically the, you know, the king or the Pharaoh at that point wanted to take um, Abram out. He wanted to kill him when he was born. So anyway, Abram ends up going to live with Noah and Seth 
it says. And so for the bulk of his life, he was raised up with Noah. Like, how awesome is that, right? Because his father ended up turning to these other gods. So at one point, um, when he's, I think, supposedly about 50 years old in this account, they say he goes back to his father's house. And there's this entire room full of idols that the father had made with his own hands, metal and wood and all that. I mean, just just filled. I, I, I was just picturing almost like shelving around a room and just all these all these little statues, you know. And so uh, I just found this humorous. So Abram says to his mom, you know, go, go and kill whatever type of animal it was, you know, a lamb or something um, so that I can sacrifice to my father's gods. And mind you, he he'd been raised by Noah. So he he knew about the Lord Almighty. And this was this was a test. So he says, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go set the meat before these uh, things and see, can they eat and stuff? So he does that one day. The second day, he tells his mom, give me three times as much, like three lambs or whatever. Because, you know, maybe it wasn't enough. Maybe maybe the gods didn't accept it. And again, he he knows he knows the true God. So he hasn't bought into this. OK, but he's just kind of playing with it like, OK, let's let me see here. Let, let me prove these gods. Right. So he takes and he puts three times as much meat before them. So finally, he decides enough of this. So he goes in there. He he found a hatchet, it says. And he goes, he busts up all these statues. Boom, 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 boom. And he he knows his father's going to be coming running, right? The father is hearing some kind of a commotion. So there's the meat before the biggest of the idols. I don't know how big it was, but, you know, the bigger one. And he places the hatchet by by the big idol. And so his father says, you know, Abram, Abram, what did you do? And he tells him, he's like, what? I didn't do anything. He says it was the big idol. He was upset because all the other gods were coming at the meat and going to eat it before he got a chance to eat it. And so basically the, the father says to him, and I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, they can't get up and move. You know, they can't eat. You know, they can't do anything. They're powerless. I made them, you know. <laughs> so Abram's saying, then why do you serve them? Hello, wake up. Get some wisdom here, Pop. Right? With all due respect. And so Nimrod was the king at that point. Now, he had been with God, and then he turned. And he, it says that he brought so much evil um, more than those before him. Right? And again, this is in the, the book of uh, Jasher I was reading. So after this happens, Abram's father runs to Nimrod. Oh, king, look what my son did. So Nimrod calls Abram in, kind of like, you know, a little kid being called to the principal's office. Oh, Abram, what did you do? So he tells him, oh, I don't know what you mean. And he tells him that false story, right? You know, well, the, the big idol did it. And again, Nimrod, same thing as Abram's father. He's like, you know, you know, they can't do these things. And so he says to him, then why do you serve them? And so I say to us today, you know, we get so involved with TV. Some people get involved with, you know, different kinds of idols, their, their car, um, a person, um, a hobby, whatever. Those are not worth our time. Those are not worth our worship. And 
those that those that do actually get into following the evil spirits, yes, they do have power. But again, that's where you you want to follow the path of God's wisdom. Don't go this way where you're doing something that just, you know, kind of fills your time and makes you feel good. And also, you know, I would just say, please don't go the way where you get into, you know, seances and Ouija boards and tarot cards. And, and, you know, we've got to be careful because this stuff has crept into the church. You know, they have um, these things called angel cards now, which are basically supposed to be like Christian version of tarot cards. Are you kidding me? And uh, I think they call it like an angel board or something, a dream board, something like that. supposed to be like, a you know, again, the Christian Ouija board. Look, we don't need to imitate the devil and all he has going on. He's been trying to imitate and fool for all these years, and he's done it. And he's also gotten the church to walk away from the supernatural so that we think, oh, it's all evil stuff. And then that's what's pulling our young people in, especially because they see actual powers and things happening and they think, oh, God is dead. You know, God doesn't do this stuff. This is exciting. Well, if you really read the book, the Bible, and you really read what God has done, he's the originator of everything supernatural. Everything that Satan has done, again, is a counterfeit. It's a sad and low imitation. And so, again, that's why he's against mankind. So if you want to walk in wisdom, if you want to be with the Lord for eternity, you're not going to listen to and go down the path that Satan has. He knows that we are unique. Just like back in Genesis, we were talking about, we are the only ones created in his image. He hates God. So he hates everything that was created in his image. So I don't want to get on too much of a rabbit trail. We have a few minutes left, but guys, gals, People, <laughs> let's look at what's happening around us. Let's look at this artificial intelligence business, AI. Folks, they are doing things that are not okay. Just like when you read about in the Bible and you read in some of the apocryphal historical accounts of what the demons were doing between like breeding, you know, humans and animals and all these things. Um it, not only did we see a headline recently that in a Chinese lab, supposedly they had they had made an embryo of a chimera where it's part monkey, part human. But they said, oh, but we destroyed the embryo. Mm, well, believe it or not, you know, I don't I don't believe they destroyed it, but I believe that they were doing that. Um, but with AI, they have sex robots that look very real. Um, they have uh you know, technologies that they are, they are going to bring about to try to fool us into saying we can be something extra human. And I really think we need to take a look at that because if we are no longer fully human, how can we be redeemed? I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't think we can. So let's be really circumspect as they offer us different implants Oh, this will make you younger. This will do this. This will do that. This will make you, you know, never have Alzheimer's. You're going to have this super mind or whatever, however they try to package it. We need to say, Lord, what is your wisdom? 
he didn't make a mistake. He created us in his image and he's perfect. And he says, be perfect as I am perfect. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. He understands also that we're but dust because he made us from the dust. And he says that in his word, he understands that. But what it means is he looks upon our heart. He sees the intention of our heart. He sees whether or not we're giving him first place. And he has all power to protect us. So we don't need to join the enemy's camp. He has all power to give us wisdom to say, whoa, half man, half monkey. Hey, implants. Hey, this, hey, that. We need to stay away from this stuff. But we need to not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so we need to be aware of, of these different things that are going on on the planet that he is using um, as his tool, as his lure to, especially again, to the young people, but he'll get anybody he can. <clears throat> He's happy to do that. You know, um, my, one of my grandmothers, uh, just before she died, she had been very involved in the church and supposedly loved the Lord and all of that, but she was a very miserable person her whole life. And she expressed doubt before she died about her faith. And, you know, was this all real? And to me, that's indicative of, again, this, this demonic oppression, kind of like this field around her, you know, and whispering in her ear. And she had allowed it, it to have place in her life. I and mean, she was, her, her temperament was not what it should have been. Um, so on and so forth. And, and yet, I mean, a lot of good things that I can say, you know, that I learned uh, from her. And, and so I'm not, not trying to be disparaging. I'm trying to just give an example that, you know, you can choose to be miserable by going the wrong way. And then you can even end up in doubt at the end of your life, or you can choose to say, I'm going to have faith, faith of a mustard seed. And, you know, you know, I need to wrap up here in just a minute, but, um, but let me just kind of finish with this thought. So um, I was I was listening to um, those of you that know about Trinity Broadcasting Network and just, you know, we all have different opinions about different people and different networks and whatever. But bottom line, God is using all kinds of people, all kinds of networks, all kinds of things. So, again, let's ask for his wisdom. So anyway, Matt and Lori Crouch were interviewing Kathy Lee Gifford. And she's come out with a book that um, I'm, I'm waiting to receive it in the mail. Um, but it's it's the I'm going to say it in the wrong order. I know. But like the rock, the road and the rabbi. Anyway, what she talked about in part was the mustard seed plant. And she said that once that mustard seed plant takes root, she says they're very careful in the Middle East about kind of containing where it is. She says, because it will just it will spread. And she says, there's nothing you can do to kill it. And again, when we just read over it, you need faith of a mustard seed. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Because most of us don't grow mustard seed. We, we don't know all the, the connotations, you know. Most of us are not farmers at all anymore um, in, in our society. So we need to understand the context. Why did God use that symbolism? Because you can't stamp it out. You can't kill it. So when we yield to him and we have that tenacity, we say, God, you give me the wisdom, you give me the strength and the courage, and I know it'll be enough. That's why he used that image. 
He gave us the measure of faith we needed. And then nothing can tear us out of his hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not AI, not demons whispering in our ears, not the lies of the powers around us, right? Those telling us that evil things are good. Nothing can rip us away from him. So we have a choice to make. He says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. And so how do we do that? For anyone who doesn't know, you say, Jesus, I believe you came, you died for my sin. You took the punishment for my sin and you rose up again. So I ask you to come in to my life. I ask you to cleanse me. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I do a 180. I'm going to walk the other direction. I'm going to walk with you now. Cleanse me. Come in and live in me and help me to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Anything like that where you're acknowledging that he is the only one who can save you and get you into heaven. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. The only way to get to the Father is through him, he says. And we repent. And that's something that's not being preached in our churches. It's not very popular. Because they want just enough of God to stay out of hell. But they want to still carouse in the bars and have sex with all the people and do all the things. Stop it. Stop it. May I lovingly say, stop it if that is you, because you are on the path to destruction and God has a better plan for you. So pick up a Bible, get you a, a copy somewhere. The Gideons give them out for free. It's the New Testament and the Psalms and the Proverbs, at least. I mean, get you reading into, uh, get yourself reading into the book of John, some different, different things. And just ask God. He will show you by his Holy Spirit. He will reveal great and mighty things to you. And I wish you well. I wish you a blessed week. Walk in health. Be strong in the name of the Lord. And remember, every day, Jesus, cover me in your blood. That's a protection. That's a cleansing. And it's a protection from the wiles of the enemy. Okay? So remember that. Acknowledge who he is. Repent of sin. Ask him to cover you in his blood. And just start cracking open the Bible. He'll walk with you and he'll help you. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hopefully same time next week.